Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Making a surprise comeback here on this Friday before the NBA season, it's the Brupon. I've been informed that Sports Ethos has issued one final Brupon coupon. The coupon code is BRUPON3, the number, B-R-U-P-O-N. It's a combination of brewski and coupon, BRUPON3, to get a fantasy pass, the six-month season-long membership with the first month for one penny. One penny, one cent for the first month of the fantasy pass. It's BRUPON3. It's our most popular item here at Sports Ethos. And this Brupon 3 is only available through the weekend. So it's an opportunity to get the Brewski 150, the whole draft guide, projections, in-season content, pro Q&A sessions every day, all season long, streaming grids, schedule charts, dynasty information, and so much more. With the first month for just one penny, that is Brupon 3 over at sportsethos.com. And the Brewski 150 also available in the draft guide only. As of yesterday, so you can get the draft guide solo. No coupon on the draft guide solo, but the Brewski 150 is in there as well. Welcome to the show, everybody. Happy Friday to you all. Off-season episode 135. Technically two, I guess, more off-season episodes. If you count the one on Tuesday before the games begin, that'll give us a final count. 137 off-season shows. Whew. I am ready. I am ready for some basketball. I know you guys are as well. I'm Dan Bespris. Welcome to the show at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I hope you guys will drop me a follow over there. We do so, so much on social media during the regular season. We're doing plenty right now, but this is like maybe a tenth of what we do once the season gets started when there's just action happening all the time. News feeds are clicking. Injuries are happening. Right now, you know, we're talking draft stuff, but like we're doing all that on the podcast. There isn't that much during the preseason that needs to be discussed in between shows because there isn't that time-sensitive immediacy. Once the season starts, everything is time-sensitive. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Coming up on today's podcast, it is a live show, and I know this is a little bit weird for me to say during a recorded segment, but you're going to get the live show that Aaron Bruski and I are taping Thursdays at 11 a.m., weekly that's the way it's going to go here during the regular season so this is a throwback as many of you may remember from a couple years ago friday's shows on this podcast were basically me and brew talking about the big stuff that happened in a given week that's coming back so we're bringing it back as i've said before aaron bruski who's been dealing with uh, a number of injuries on the mostly on the arm front so you know doing a ton of typing and doing a lot of like getting in the in the mix has been extremely difficult for him. He's back, baby. He's back. So get ready for a whole hell of a lot more brew this season. And a lot of that is coming up here on today's show. We get into how to use lists in a draft room. We take some really broad scope draft prep questions from the live YouTube audience. So I would strongly recommend set your calendars. 11 a.m. Pacific time every Thursday, Brew and I are going live on YouTube. You can watch that show ahead of time. So that's coming up here in just a matter of seconds. We're going to tell you a little bit more about some of our partners at some point during the show. We already told you about the Brupon. We got cash drafts going on. We're going to do a little bit of that recap towards the end. But right now, let's hear from the big dog. 
And welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's a live edition that's also going out simulcast. Not simul, it's later. Post, postcast. Later cast, later cast on later the podcast is a good side. Name. Later cast is actually kind of a cool name for like Let's a 2 a.m. Like show. Like the ladies' man's 3 a.m. hour. By the way, uh, sneaky, wonderful movie. Uh, this is Fantasy NBA Today. I am Dan Basperis. The big dog is with me here. Because this is going out on Fridays, uh, and the big dog is here on the uh, later cast on Fridays. The live show is on Thursdays. Aaron Bruski, good morning. It's draft season, man. You got you got your big ones coming up in the next day or two, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's go time. Um, knee deep in it all, and uh, I feel like I can quote whatever off the top of my head. It's uh, it's good. Not sleeping though. We did get a little bit of sleep last night. Finally. So uh, draft season in toddlers just does not mix. It's uh, it's rough. You got two. I, I, I'm actually I'm trailing off here because I know you got two, and I'm like I kind of feel like a a little bi, you know, tch. Uh, you're okay. It's exhausting. We won't. By the way, I think a piece of the headphone we tried on you actually stuck to the side of your face, and so it's like kind of dent other side. Yeah, that's a piece of no, no, a little farther back. It, it's uh, we're gonna get this. We're gonna get this. You got it. There it is. There it goes. It was a piece of yeah, my headphone. You ever, you ever seen there's something about Mary? <laughs> yeah, that's what just did. <laughs> oh man, so you pod folks, you're missing out. You got to join us here. Uh, Brew and I are going live Thursdays around 11 a.m. Pacific time weekly. Obviously, you're still gonna get plenty of the fantasy goodness coming later on. But if you'd like to join us, we do take questions. Some of that is before and after the show. Not all of it is going to go out on the recorded side. But we do have some questions that came in from Twitter. And I think we can probably just dive straight into those. With the reminder, of course, that I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. He is at Aaron Bruski. Those of you watching, you can see that on your screen. Those of you listening, plug that in. Give us a follow here during draft season. And the reason... The reason for the season, the reason I'm jumping straight into it like this is that the questions actually were kind of what I was going to ask you about anyway, Bruce. So everybody's got the same thing on their mind, and that is basically uh, the B-150. There have been updates. People want to know, like, specifically how to use it. So this is like, yes, there's a little bit of a marketing component to this, but at the same time, folks want to understand how to use a list because it isn't always the most obvious thing in the world. You've got the order on the board, you've got ADPs, and I think it's an average from the different websites, if I'm not mistaken. How do people, even if it wasn't the B-150, let's make this even a broader topic. How should people use lists when they come into a fantasy draft? Yeah, it's what makes it fascinating. And it's why I think even if you feel like you're super prepared, you've got, quote, a list, and you go into one of these things, it's going to be completely different than what you thought it was going to be like 90% of the time. Um, there, there's times where, and especially with my list, I'll get into the why in a second, but like there's guys that are ranked so high that I just can't take because of the build. You know, there's it, it's basically wasted statistics because I know that I'm dominant in a given category. So I'm just like, I'm looking at that name and I'm like, man, that's a top 40 player, top 50 player. Sure, I could make the plunge. I could go there, but... I don't need that player. And then that's before you get to the ADP component of this. And who are you drafting with? You know, if I'm in a league that doesn't kind of know who I am and, you know, I'm just a, a guy, then I can kind of hide out a little bit. But unfortunately, 
in almost every draft I'm in, a quarter to half or three quarters are drafting off the list and talking about it in the chat room. And they know your burner names too. <laughs> I don't I don't do that. I don't have time for that, but maybe I should. <laughs> Uh, get a burner account or two. Yeah, you need to be. Yeah. I've been I've been running this by some analysts. Just switching the first letter of your first and last name and just be Baron Aruski. Baron Aruski <laughs> doesn't. Yeah, know, but but that's and I'm already seeing. It's funny there there there's guys drafting B150 guys early to to beat me to the punch, and. That changes that idea, the dynamic on a lot of players because, like, depending on how early that we're talking, the value has been evaporated in a given player because they went and did that. So if there's somebody that I would normally get three, four rounds later, not getting them right now, and and I just got to kind of accept that and take that, not even as a loss, just as I got to look somewhere else. So how um, do you but, how do you figure out where is the appropriate place to take yeah, it? I, I, it's, it's sort of a, it's a gut thing at the end of the day, you're, you're not gonna ever know what's going on in somebody's brain as the clock's ticking down and, and they're staring at their list and, and they just like reach for a player, you know, you'll just never know. So you gotta, you gotta play odds. And I look at a round of, of advantage. So if I think ADP, so you can, first you gotta, what is ADP? You, know, you could go by what the numbers show on a site that can be helpful if you're drafting at a site because that ADP might even be the way that they order the players on the list. Um, that ADP might drive the decision-making of the people within that draft. So you might focus more on that. But again, if, if your league is totally different than the profile of that platform, like the more public the platform, I would say, ESPN, CBS, I would say those ADPs don't really matter. Um, Yahoo, I feel like they matter a little bit more. Um, another site that I won't name, you know, that they, they uh, I feel like those ADPs might actually be the most um, relevant because there's not as much public action going on at that site. Um, so they, that so you you throw that into your brain as you're going here, and you're like, okay, that the ADP that I think this player is going to have. Now, what do I value them as? And and if I have if I have them a round ahead of that mark, I kind of feel like I have a better than fifty percent shot, maybe like a coin flip fifty one forty nine shot of getting that player if I wait. So how how many spots away? You know, you're kind of counting. If you're on the ends of drafts, that's more like 20, 22 players away. If you're in the middle, it's more like 10 players away. And, and you're constantly playing this game. Can I, can I get somebody that I might not think is better? Can I, can I shove them into the five slot? And then, you know, get the player that I think is better around later? That's the game in a nutshell is to try to get the player um, – you know, that you want as late as possible. So I'm, I, I am measuring, you know, a lot of these guys are say top 50 and they're going in the hundreds. Right. So, um, you know, I, I'm, and I might think that somebody's got my list and they're pretty aggressive and they might take this player at 80 or 70. So like if I, if I go 12 slots ahead, around ahead, you know, that that to me, that I, I know I'm going to secure it if I make the pick. But what if I gamble and wait? If I gamble and I wait, 
And then that that point where I'm waiting, that next pick, if that's 12 picks ahead of what I think is ADP, I feel like I've got a better than coin flip shot of getting it. And I think it gets, the, the numbers get pretty steep after that. Like if I'm picking that pick 18 slots ahead, 24 slots ahead, I feel like my odds of getting that player are like 75%, 85%. So I feel pretty good about that. If it's a 50-50 shot and it's a player I really need, the build, you know, and this is where builds become important. If the build is not right, then I, I might get way less aggressive. If the build is exactly right and I've only got a 50-50 shot and then I look at the other players and I go, those builds aren't exactly what I need, then I'm going to probably say, you know what, I don't want to gamble on 50-50. I want to get that guy. So you really got to be flexible. The Roto Balance tool, if you got an Android iOS app, is great for balancing your teams out on the fly. I can kind of just do it mentally now. Um, but that's the game in a nutshell, is you got to just kind of zero in on odds and, and figure out, are you going to wait or are you just going to grab them? Might as well use this opportunity to tell you all the Brewski 150 is available at sportsethos.com. So you can go check that out. It's in the draft guide and the fantasy pass as well. Uh, next question came from Twitter. We're going to get through those before we uh, try to get into the YouTube ones. Uh, who is Brewski's favorite fantasy player ever? It's a good question. I think I saw this earlier. And I was like, oh, man. I kind of feel like the Jokic from, like, was it 2017, 2016? Was it when he was behind Nurk in Denver? Yeah, yeah he was behind Nurk. We knew what he was. We knew what he was capable of, and it looked bad on the outside. Everybody was jumping ship. I mean, like, everybody. I, like, there were drop recommendations. There was, you know, kind of like, hey, it's not going to be great this year. And we went just hard by low, like, everywhere we could. And, and then, was it like 15 games in, everything turned around, and then he became Nikola Jokic. Um, that one, Rudy Gobert in his first year, that was a good one. Uh, if I, go, I was going to say, if I'm thinking about just like, not even calls, cause I, you know, I've only been on this side of the wall for the last five, six years now. I think back to like my early days playing fantasy and I mean, if you could get Sean Marion, in the early 2000s, that was pretty sick. Uh, Josh Smith was like a sneaky, fun one to end up with. Um, you could, I mean, the free throws situation was dicey, but that was always a fun one to sneak out of Josh Smith. I always like did everything in my power to trade for him partway through a season when whoever had him. I forget what year. That was like 2006, maybe. I don't know. That's a long time you know ago. Paul, I really liked. I was just getting started. Um, Doc, Steve Alexander over at Roto World had um, Steph Curry. And it, it, it was his second year. I believe it was his second year. But like this was before fantasy was what it is, obviously. You know, there was very little tools out there. He just sort of knew that Curry was a, a, a game changer and nobody had Curry. Like, I want to say Curry was like, like a th top 30 guy in, in ranks and lists. They're the ones that existed at the time and Doc Adam had it like five or six. And then he just destroyed it. Um, I thought that one was cool because it was 
before all the analytics were around and, and you could just kind of like zero in on things so easily. Um, I'm trying to think of who's a good recent one. Favorite recent fantasy player to have on your team? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that part yeah. of it has been, I don't want to say like, sweet. go ahead. I was going to say, Hallie was sweet because you just knew it. And then, then he, he really got a chance to break free when he got to Indy. But even prior to that, he was just rocking and rolling. Since I started this podcast, I legitimately can't remember what I've done. It's like, I don't, I don't remember who was on my... I mean, recently, for me, it's Chris Paul. Because after his Houston year, everybody faded Chris Paul except for old man Vespris. And it was like, guys... This could still work. Like, worst case, Chris Paul, you just saw it. And then he's just been smoking for, like, what is that? Is it two or three years in a row? I think it's three years now. So you had the Thunder year. You had a couple of Phoenix years. Um, at some point, that you know, the juice is going to run out on that. But a three-year running win is, is pretty sweet. Uh, let's go to the next one here. How do you adjust, if at all, auction draft approach versus snake draft? And I had to do this with you on because I don't do auction drafts, so... Have at it, good sir. Yeah, no, it's like a totally different animal. Um, you have to go into an auction draft with both a strategy and then the ability to ditch that strategy immediately. It stretches you as a player. In, in, in I'm so happy one of the big high-stakes uh, high leagues that I'm in immediately kind of just was like, yeah, we're doing auction. Because um, Snake is, is really problematic. Um, I'm, I'm really kicking myself on a, on a situation where I found myself with the two pick um, inadvertently. I'll just leave it at that. Um, because the fall off between Nikola Jokic and the, the group underneath him is so great. And even, um, you know, though I agree with third round reversal, you know, I'm going to get hit by that in this particular situation. Um, even for third round reversal, what you can do with that to, to sort of, address the fact that the top players in fantasy are worth so much more than their counterparts, even within the first round that gets eliminated in an auction league. And so it's an even playing ground for everybody that's in there. You get the players that you want, um, but you have to then really have command over all of these stat set issues that we're talking about. You have to really have command over the trajectories of these players throughout the year. Um, you can find yourself on the, the wrong end of a bad team really quick if you're not able to take whatever the draft is giving you and just react. Um, I felt like I've done pretty well in auction leagues. My first few uh, forays into auction leagues were just hilariously fun and wild and the adrenaline's pumping um, because you don't kind of know from second to second where you're going. So you do have to, you have to have the players you like and what happens is that strategy gets blown up when people have unrealistic expectations about the players that you like, whether that's how they bid, you know, how many people are bidding on it, are people bidding you up, you know, that whole cat and mouse game. And it's like at least, and for those of you listening out there, there's at least five times in a draft where I'm going to test you and I'm going to make you pay for that buy up that you're putting <laughs> on me. So yep. don't test me. It's going to leave a mark. Actually, this is a pretty good segue into the uh, question that came from Twitter, which was, uh, what is the story behind Bruce 
biggest, highest stakes league? How did you end up in that? Like, do you want to make all of our bodies pucker simultaneously? Um, it was actually the lockout year. So there was the lockout year. There was a group of high stakes players that found themselves without a home. You know, let's get some sad music playing. And they all oh. they ended together and they said, let's create our own league. And uh, yeah, no, it was um, that was actually, I think, the first year that I was involved with it. I got um, I got like a, a trash talk invite. Like, you think you're good. Mm, Brew's not turning that joint down. Put your money where oh, your mouth you, is. Are you powering down over there? Is that what that noise was? <laughs> That's me crawling under the desk getting a nap. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they, this, there was one player in particular who shall remain nameless. Love to talk trash. Just like an, an immense amount of trash that I, I cannot I even repeat. I think I know who it is. Yeah, you know who it is. I think I know. Anyway, and we, we kind of have had a kumbaya moment over the years. Like, oh, that's you nice. know, it's been like It's been like 12 years, I think. How, how, maybe not that long. We've had that that. We don't, we're not at each other's throats anymore. Cause like this guy likes to talk trash. I mean, just like out of nowhere. It's like the guy was my worst enemy. It felt like with the trash talk, but anyway, so we joined, you know, and that year um, we did a snake draft because we uh, didn't have a lot of time to figure it all out. Um, the following year we said, screw the snake draft, let's go auction. And then that was my first foray into auction. Um, it was pretty early in my career, and and I believe I won the first year. Um, yeah. Well, that'll and fund a few years. On the last shot of the season by Clay Thompson at a free throw. Was, oh, was Clay Thompson going to make the free throw? It was crazy. Yeah, that's I, I mean, too much. I that I like. I wouldn't. I'd barely be able to handle that in a in a normal stakes league. Forget forget high stakes. Do you feel comfortable telling people? like what the stakes are we don't have to yeah no it's 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 nothing too crazy um i kind of wish it was more oh no what are you about to say now you're gonna make us all feel bad no i do wish it was more because i feel like you got to get your money in the middle when you got the goods um and i and i would guess the other people in the league kind of feel the same way sort of like you know a good amount of them um you know it's it's anywhere from 1500 to 2500 okay it's not a lot Okay, that's still pretty. That's a pretty good chunk. Pretty is hefty. It, that's a roto. Is that the weekly roto one that you've told me about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Weekly roto, roto. That's hard because you know, nobody would leave that amount of money to head to head. No, like, you can't have a playoff. That's like, you might as well just go to the, the casino and just throw it all on red or black. Yeah, <laughs> blowing it all on hats. Um, we got a good question from inside the building. Our MLB oh, host, the wonderful, Joe, the wonderful the... Joe Orico. In your years doing the B-150, who was the guy you had ranked the highest against, I had to check on this acronym, expert consensus rank? I ranked the highest versus expert. Like, how much did the, the B-150 exceed the consensus rank? Pretty, I think, that's, I think that's what they're going for here. Like, who is the I'm guy gonna... where you were like, nope, you guys are so wrong that it's ridiculous, and... I'm, well, I mean, you already talked about Jokic because that was one where I, I think you had him like 30 or 40 slots ahead, but there might be bigger. Yeah, no, I, it's funny. You mentioned it earlier. Like, I, I mean, we're knee deep in this and we've been knee deep in this for over 10 years. 
you know? So it's like, you would think that we would retain some of this info. I got friends that don't do what we do and they can tell you about every NBA thing that's ever happened. You know, history of the league, playoffs, you know, they, they just are walking encyclopedias. I barely remember from year to year, like what happened three years ago in the playoffs. And, and it'll, it'll come to me if I, if I really think about it. Um, so like when I think about these wins, like I kind of struggle a little bit. I go, you know, I'm sure if I just go to the B150 review, I'll just like, oh yeah, that one, that one, and that one. Usually there's a player that's available at like a hundred that goes for like 20 or, or 30, you know, an overall ranking. And we'll get one of those per year. Um, I think it was like Siakam three years ago. Um, Rashawn Holmes did it one year. Uh, who else was it? Um, Halliburton was kind of depending on where you were drafting. Like Halliburton was going to like the 50, 60 range and he finished at six last year. Um, we got to look at some old B150 reviews. Yeah, I got to do that because there's, there's, and it's, call, we call them half draft jumpers. And they, you know, they typically are, are available in that like 90 to 120 range and they go all the way up the ladder. Um, I feel like Gary uh, Trent was actually kind of that last year. You know, it's funny. We had, and this is where I think the B150 really shines. Like, I didn't have like a ton of expectation there. You know, like I wasn't like on the Gary Trent wagon, you know, banging the drum, but we had him higher than everybody else. So, and that's actually all it takes. That's the funny thing about that is like you can be like semi right and it can pay off in massive spades, which is kind of what I was with Gary Trent last year, too. I talked about him on the pod. I was like, okay, this guy has an opportunity. I ended up with him on like 70% of my teams because. The draft got to like 105, and I thought, well, this guy's playing starters minutes. Why the hell not? And so just being a tiny bit ahead of everybody else meant I got all the Gary Trents, even though I wasn't, I didn't think he was going to be a top 40 guy. I didn't think it was a prayer of that. And then I just had him a little bit higher than folks, and that worked out really well. Sorry, I, I think I jumped on you there. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's, it, I think one of the things about why I feel good about promoting this the way that we do, like, I mean, let's face it, there's a ton of pressure on this, like, so many people are using yeah. this for their leagues and, and, you know, however many years, I think it's 10 years on this thing, you know, it does wear on you that like, if I have a bad year, you know, that's going to impact a lot of people. Um, so what it does is it makes me want to make sure I get it right. And that's kind of my, it's, it's like a blessing and a curse in a nutshell is that, you know, like I'm going to work really, really hard on this thing and make sure it's the best that's out there. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of work to do that. And, and at the end of the day, like, why not take a year off or something? I don't know. I'm not looking at a year off anytime soon. I like that. it too much. It's, it's too much fun. It, I, I need an outlet for the competition. Um, it's obviously important for the website. So, you know, those reasons alone make it a non-starter to not do this. Um, and I even toy with the idea. Like, what if I if I decided to not do the B-150? Like, I, I would be, this time of year, if it was like I decided not to do the B-150 this time of year, I would be like in cold sweats. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to go near a computer. You just you dropped know, I, all the old men. Come on it over. Be, it would be bad. Um, but every player gets a very lengthy analysis. And it, it, it touches on the quantitative side and it goes on the qualitative side. This is where I feel like film watching and, you know, taking things from, from a pure basketball perspective, I think that that has given me an edge in the sense that, like, we're, we're touching every important bucket. 
And so like a Gary Trent, you know, we're going to get those projections right because we're not just doing things like oh, we're going to average the stats out and, you know, kind of count them up and, you know, put people in order or, you know, we're, we're just going to go by gut, you know, like it's every aspect. And then how good are you at looking at basketball and, and, and understanding, you know, what you're seeing? That is a skill in of itself. And there are very few people out there. You're one of them, Dan, where like, if you watch a game and you tell me something that happened that I'm actually going to listen and, and be like, yeah, actually, I, I think you, you got that right. I'm not saying that like nobody gets it right out there, but a ton of people in media and the people that you kind of would think to rely on for opinions, they're not even close, you know, and, and that's part of the, 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 it's fascinating in the Twitter era, you know, who kind of starts, the opinions up at the top of the food chain um, and how that trickles down. I mean, you, and you, you just get it when you watch like NBA TV or whatever, you know. Yeah, but you can also kind of see like the throngs. I've seen a throng come after you on Twitter, so I know what you're talking about on that front. By the way, it's very kind of you to say, I don't agree. I think I'm pretty good at this, but I think that there are a handful of people that sort of like have a different fire than I do. I, I would say that I'm like a guy who's good at it without the fire, meaning I'm comfortable simplifying fantasy. And I think that's why it ports well into a podcast. I don't care about the fire. I just care that somebody sees it and gets it right. If I'm going to listen to them, you know, because if, if, I mean, we can't watch every game, right? No, you can't watch every I game. W- wish I could. Yeah. A few you, other you, things going you on in life. You can't read every piece of information out there. So you got to kind of figure out which beat writers are the ones that know what they're talking about, the ones that are carrying water just to keep their job, you know, yeah. the ones that are. So at that, the synthesization of all of that is extremely important from just a research side. But then you have to supplement it with your own eyes. And, and, and I beg to differ, Dan, like I've especially when it comes to like handicapping, you know, there's it's it's really hard to get it right. Like you, you, you don't watch all the games. You don't have access to what you know like all the beat writers have access to you, you're kind of de- dealing with a limited set of information and to be able to pull it all together and get it right at a high clip like kind of like 80 90 percent of the time i find that to be just really tough i don't see a lot of people do it i see you do it every time so you're being modest yeah well you know self-deprecation it sort of runs in the family uh want to get to matt's question here see if we can do a couple more i have our clock at nine minutes left on this show so let's see what we can do by the way i don't think we have to do lightning round because the the questions are generally more uh broad which is what i was hoping for going into draft prep time uh matt says tanking a category whatever it might be points free throws whatever seems to be the soup du jour this draft season i love by the way the dumb and dumber reference here so if i asked you what's the tank du jour you would say to me that's the tank of the day and i would say that sounds delicious uh so I know that you are the non-tanker, actually, among the fantasy heads. Some of that has to do with playing more roto than head-to-head, I would argue. But in general, I tend to agree with you. I think in really competitive head-to-head leagues, there is an advantage to trying to flip the board a little bit. Um, But you don't always have to necessarily do it during the draft either. So where do you stand on tanking as of 2022? Because we kind of got to do this like annual check-in. Strategies change. Yeah, I mean, you, you really are kind of just at the whims of your draft if you choose to tank. Is somebody going to tank with you? You know, 
you can't control the person next to you. So like, you know, the old free throw tank, you know, where are your free throw punt guys? That one's pretty obvious. Um, you know, somebody will declare their strategy pretty quickly. Um, what if you were halfway into your strategy and, and then you don't get the player you want? So it, it cuts both ways. I, I like flexibility to be able to, you know, take best player available. That's kind of it's fun. It's, this is the through lines between fantasy and reality are kind of interesting because like best player available really does solve a lot of or solve a lot of issues organizationally. And you see a lot of teams not do that in reality basketball and it doesn't pay off for them. Um, but you're, you're cutting the board down and, and it's just, what does your league think of that? Is your league completely oblivious and by, by you cutting the board down, you just kind of plunder and, and get <clears throat> all the players that will make your punt build you know, work out for you? Or are they like, no, I'm not going to let him do that. And especially in a league where they, there's like three or four good players and, and those three or four pl good players know who the good players are. You know, you might just stymie your opponent's punt strategy, just burn a pick on it. I don't know. Like there's, there's a lot of different ways that it can go wrong. Um, yeah. Cause you like certain guys in a punt could actually work in a non punt format. You could troll someone pretty good that way. If you knew that they were like, hunting zion in the third i mean i don't know as long as it doesn't blow up your own team interested in the i'm more interested in the, the the waste of excess stats than i am the punt build because it's kind of the same idea you know you want to get the most value for what you're spending so to speak so um you know a lot of times you know as you're drafting you're going to notice like I don't, and it happens for me every year. I don't need any more steals. Like there's no more steals that I could use. I am going to be number one, no matter what. And that's, you know, where my, so now I'm going to take those players that are ranked highly in my mind and whatever I'm using, you know, to evaluate. And I'm going to say no more, you know, and, and how does that affect my draft? Um, but in terms of punting, you, you really got to make sure that the players that are the central pieces of your build are going to be around for you. And, and if, and these, these are always synonymous with playoff leagues. So you really got to be dialed into the playoff situation, which means you got to be dialed into their overall trajectory as a team. This is the year of Wembenyana, you know, that's going to impact what four teams in the West and uh, I think another four teams in the East, you know, these guys are going to be sitting anybody and everybody to try to get, up the up the board to, to try to draft this guy um so that's going to impact like what if your free, what if your punt free throw build guy just isn't playing anymore you know for whatever reason or whatever you're punting now all of a sudden your team's maybe out of balance maybe not so i, I you can do a lot from a central position you mentioned it earlier is getting out of the draft um or, or not having to do it all in the draft you, you can punt in the middle of the year. That's actually my favorite style of punting. I, I do want to try to do one more question, but I also don't want to cut this idea short. So it's possible we may just have to, I don't know, do this again next week. Um, the punt is an effective strategy. I've found that my best punt is what I prefer to call the give up. Because I didn't punt it. I it went into the year with the intention of competing in that category. And I got to, I don't know, December, I think it's actually important to try to do this before other people in your league do it. Assess your team. And if you are like third from the bottom, this is more apt for a roto discussion right now. 
Uh, but it works for head-to-head, too. If your team is, like, in the lower echelon in a particular category, you can then give up that category if the return on your trade helps you more. So it's an ROI thing. I do this every year, and oftentimes it's a points guy. Like, I have one dude on my team who's scoring 22 points a game with a couple of threes and doing nothing else, and I can sell that guy for a lower-ranked player that then fits my build better. So I ended up punting it, but I was able to target the guy after the fact, after I knew exactly where I could get the best return on my investment. So I still like punting, but like you said, I like to call it giving up part way where I can get those best values and I can do whatever I want with them. There's a term for that. It's not safe for the, for the show. Um, <laughs> here's where I'm at with it is you can take advantage of the benefits of going best player available and just keep racking up value for for your team and then do what Dan's talking about mid-year. If you're not doing that, if you want to do punting, to me, it feels like you're taking a different kind of strategy where you can say, it's better to be risky and go for it all and know that it might go up in flames than you know to, to play it down the middle. And in that case, just take your high variance players. It's basically um, you know a tournament DFS theory applied to season long fantasy sports you're just going to gamble you know you're going to take joel Embiid. you know you're going to any injury risk guy you're just going to load your team up with all the injury risk guys and and say you know what i got a 10 percent chance this works but if it hits nobody's going to touch me yeah yeah and if you could pull it up like it's kind of like shooting the moon and hearts a little bit yeah like make sure you can get through the first few steps before anybody sees what you're doing and then you're gold. Then they can't stop you. You hit a certain point, it's like, okay, this, you, I've lost. This guy's now shot the moon. I don't know how many people played hearts. Like, I watched a lot of baseball players play hearts over the year. That's like a big clubhouse card game. While they're watching Young and the Restless. While they were watching me watch Game of Thrones. That was the silliest bus story. I'll tell that on another one. Uh, awesome questions, everybody. I have to go install a car seat in a nanny's car so that she can pick up my child from preschool uh, so that I can... Who fantasy life's not glamorous, <laughs> It's fine, though, and then I'll install the other one after they get back just so that I don't have to do it all uh, at once, and uh, then she won't run late. So I hope you guys enjoyed this live one. Awesome, awesome turnout on the first one we've done in forever. He is Aaron Bruski. I am Dan Bespris. For you podcast listeners, I will have an outro coming up. we got a few more things to discuss going into the weekend. For those of you on YouTube, good luck in your drafts. And again, we will see you back here live a week from today. The great Aaron Bruski, that was our live show. You got the nice ported version of it here on the podcast. It'll still be good. Uh, a lot of what we're going to do, and, and obviously during the preseason, it's much easier to do a show on Thursday that airs on Friday. During the regular season, that show with Brew that you guys are going to hear on Friday episodes, it's going to cover basically things that happen between Sunday and Big Wednesday. So it's going to cover kind of a almost like a week in review. I don't have to go farther back than like three or four days, but it's the same general idea. And the beauty of it is there are very few games on Thursday night, and those I will cover solo at the outset of the Friday shows during the regular season. So you're going to get everything that's going to be uh, well-timed. But, the, you know, the hope is to get some of you guys to come follow us over and, and hang out with us live. Uh, and if you miss it or if you just want to hear it again, it'll be here for you on the uh, the podcast. So it's going to be a lot of fun this season talking to Brew every week, just like the good old days, back when this pod started first few years 
before things got uh, kind of hairy on the how many kids were chasing around the house front and injuries and all that good stuff. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about a cash draft result that I was a part of uh, earlier this morning, actually, earlier on Friday morning, because some of this is starting to now kind of come into focus as to where guys are going. I would also note this is a Roto League. A lot of the stuff I do is Roto. I have three drafts today alone. Two, they're all Roto. The third of them is a Keeper League. On Sunday, I have three more drafts. Uh, two of those are actually head-to-head. So if you think I don't do any head-to-head leagues, I do. I have two very important cash head-to-head leagues that are coming up this weekend. I think there's like four cash Roto Leagues. I've tried to trim it. You know, last year I had like 14 or 15 leagues. I'm trying to get that down to like seven or eight this season, just so that I can really get my head on straight. Uh, But we're going to take a look at a lot of these results as the day goes on. One of those drafts has already happened, and I wanted to just very quickly kind of lightning round style here, because I know this show is uh, running longer than most during the preseason, uh, break down where some of the most interesting names went in this draft. But before we do that, I got to remind you guys that this show is brought to you by our buddies over at Manscaped.com. And right now, you can get the premium package 4.0, a $270 value for $100. It's 40% off by itself, and you can use the coupon code ETHOS20 or HoopBall20 Either one of them works. For 20% off that already reduced price and free shipping. It is the Platinum Package 4.0. Comes with the lawnmower. That's their typical electric trimmer, which, by the way, pretty awesome. The fact that we kind of gloss over it a little bit. But also an ear and nose hair trimmer, 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner, body wash, deodorant, uh, powders, uh, body different, like deodorant you want to use on different parts of your body, sprays, shaving mats, If you want to be able to clean up hairs, a travel bag, boxers, again, it's all a 260, I got that number wrong on the first try here, value that you can get for $100 with coupon code HOOPBALL20 or ETHOS20. And if you don't want to go completely, I guess I should say balls out on this, if you don't want to go balls out and get the Gigantor Mega Super Ultra package, they've got all these other things you can get. You can get it in packages, those are the ones where you get the biggest discounts. Or you can get their tools individually. Like we told you, you got the Lawnmower 4.0, you got the Weed Whacker. Personally, personally, I'm actually a really big fan of the thing they call the Crop Shaver, but it's actually just a three-blade razor. It's unbelievable. You can get replacement blades. I use that for my face and my and my neck and whatever else I need to take care of. It is just a really, really good three-blade razor. And I, I know it's weird. Like They make this big thing about manscaping, Sometimes it just comes down to, you know, what kind of actual razor blade do you want to use to shave your face? And they've got that too. They've got a, a body scrubber. That's new for this year. They didn't have that last season when we did these ads. They've still got the shears, the luxury nail kit. I use mine all the time. And for a long time, they only had boxer briefs. Now they have premium ultra soft boxer briefs. That's new for this season as well. So that's all at manscaped.com. Coupon code HoopBall20. Check that out right away. All right, lightning round here on the draft results and where certain uh, somewhat interesting players went. Bam Adebayo went at 12 in this draft, and Anthony Edwards went at 13. That was actually extremely surprising to me. And thanks to all the weird jumbling up top, Steph Curry fell to 11. There's a team in this draft that got Steph and LeBron at 11 
And I guess that'd be 14. That's crazy. What a wonderful way to start your draft. I'm actually jealous of that team because you don't think with the 11th pick you're going to be able to get Steph. But anyway, here we are. Damanis Sabonis went middle of the second round. That was somewhat surprising. Uh, Darius Garland went at 24. Cade Cunningham at 25. John Morant, 26. Those are a little bit interesting, but not uh, completely out of the realm of possibility in most drafts. Scotty Barnes went at 39. He's a guy that I think is typically going a bit too high in drafts. Chris Paul fell all the way to 42. He almost made it back to me in the fourth round. I would have taken him in the third, but Kawhi fell to me at 27. So, you know, kind of had to go that direction. Kawhi or Chris Paul, you got to go Kawhi. But yeah, the fact that CP3 almost made it back to me, I mean, he was four picks away at that point. Zion, mid to late fourth, that's a more reasonable spot. I've seen him go in the third in some drafts, but so a little bit more normal here. Jalen Green at 49. That's real early on Jalen Green. That one surprised the crap out of me. Devin Vassell uh, went at 58, which actually is not nuts when you think about what he could do this year, but it's a little early for where you'd expect him to go. Keldon Johnson at 61. That's a guy you all know, one of the young guys that I actually do like in this draft, uh, but he wasn't going to get back to me near 70 either. OGN and Obi went uh, really late. He went at 69 in this draft. Herb Jones went at 63. Herb Jones went before Ananobi, before Shangun. I mean, this is before Franz Wagner. That was very surprising. Someone had their hands on a list that had Herb Jones really, really high. And then, of course, once you get past the sixth round, now you're looking at sort of what are the order of the, the popular buzzy flyer picks how do they come off the board because we all know we've talked to every one of them pretty much on this podcast with the lone exception uh our buddy ryan Kanaus was unable to do a, a pod with us this year he said he was actually happy to do a write-up for the show <laughs> and i was like well maybe we'll, we'll find another way to work that in ryan is uh extraordinarily smart he's the guy who gave us desmond bain on the show last season uh but otherwise we've talked to the other 10 analysts in the mock so we kind of know who everybody's targeting. And to me, that's the most interesting thing to look at. When do those guys come off the board in drafts? And is it always the same order? Or and it's never going to always be it, but is it typically the same order that they come off the board? Because if so, then you can start to get an idea of what order you would have to take those late round flyers. So starting in round seven, if you want to look at like who are the buzzy names to come off the board and some of them are not i guess all that buzzy and round seven might be around too early to talk about this because most of these guys are fairly well established fantasy players um with the possible exception of paolo Boncaro coming off at 77 i think that'd be the 77th pick in round eight believe it or not trey jones is the first buzz name to come off the board at pick 85 that's really early on him Mo Bamba went at 88. I don't know. Uh, 87? That's um, a little crazy, actually. Uh, P.J. Washington went at 88. That was pretty early. Not crazy early, but earlier than expected if you're going to call him like a little bit buzzier. But his ADP is around 100, so it's not like he's like way down off the board and someone had to scroll down to find him. Uh, Kuz went at 89. He's not someone that I'm targeting this year. Larry Markinen went at 91. And so even though uh, Yahoo has his X rank down the board a little bit, he does tend to creep his way up into that 
85 range, and here he just went a couple picks late. He was actually going to be the next guy I drafted. Got to within three picks of me here, but didn't quite make it all the way there. I, I ended up going Colin Sexton towards the end of this round um, because I actually ended up drafting a team that could score a little bit, so I kind of wanted to lean into that. Uh, my buddy Brandon Clark, who, you know, there, there's a, a dampening of spirits on Brandon Clark, and that's reasonable, but at 96, I'm totally fine with him going there. So that's where Clark went. Aniko Kongwu, who we heard Jonas Nader talk about on the show, he went at 99. Oh, sorry, Keegan Murray at 97 went before Okongwu. Uh, Anthony Simons at 103. DeAnthony Melton at 106. Jabari Smith, is he the second now or junior? Did we switch that? He's at 108. We move into the 10th round now. Cam Johnson, 109. Jalen Smith, 112. Kevin Porter Jr., 113. He actually fell a really long way. That was kind of surprising. Nick Claxton, 114. Jared Vanderbilt, 115. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, 118. And those are the buzzy names that went in round 10. Round 11, Bones at 121. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein at 130. Malcolm Brogdon, 131. That was a name that Brew gave us on the pod last week, or a week ago, I should say. Uh, and then if you get into round 12, there's still just a couple of those names left the rest of the way, but we're you're digging into the dregs at this point. Um, I forget who gave us Bogdan Bogdanovich on the show, but he went early round 12, as did JaVale McGee. Chris Duarte, mid round 12. Jaden McDaniels, mid round 12. Kelly Olynyk and Io DeSumo towards the end of the 12th round. And then in the 13th, Alexei Pokashevsky, Markel Fultz, and uh, Tari Eason. We're probably and Santi Aldamo is actually Mr. Irrelevant in this draft. He went at the last pick of round 13. So those are that's where the buzzy guys went. I don't know if that's going to be the way that they go in everything, but you know the fact that Trey Jones is kind of moving towards the front of that line is notable. That's too early for me on him. I mean, he went in front of Markinen, he went in front of Al Horford, he went in front of Marcus Smart, Colin Sexton, these guys that we know what they're going to do. And I get it. Sometimes you do want to take that swing. And I've advocated taking some swings, which, by the way, I did in this draft. So, you know, this is not me casting a stone in a glass house or whatever the hell that butchered expression is. You know, I took Alperin Shengun at 70 in this draft, which is about 10 spots earlier than I would advocate taking him. But because of the team I had built to that point, I had sort of room to spare in a few categories where, look, if he hits, then awesome, like, there's a there's a world where if his percentages improve and he just does a little bit of everything, he could rocket boost into the top 50. I don't think it's going to happen because I think he's going to hurt you in turnovers from a big man. I think he's going to hurt you in free throws. Uh, it's not clear how fouls are going to play into the mix as they try to shoehorn him into extra minutes this season. But, you know, one thing we do know is that he can score, he can pass, he can rebound. He'll get some steals, he'll get some blocks. Like, it's nice that he can do all five of those things and then we just kind of hope the other stuff comes around. And I went Michael Porter Jr. in the seventh, who, yeah, coming off the injury, there's a risk. But, I mean, crap, like, pick 80-something here. Uh, or is that, yeah, mid, mid-70s, mid excuse me. Like, if things click for him and he's inside the top 40 per game, well, I don't give a crap if he takes 15 games off. This could be, that's my, those were my big swings. Because early in the draft... Guys just kept landing on me. I, I had the third pick in this one. I went KD. I'm very much in the KD camp this year. If he falls apart, then everything I'm doing falls apart. So let's hope he doesn't. 
Uh, Freddie Van Vliet in the second round. I was hoping that uh, DeJounte Murray would get to me. I thought he would have paired with KD really well on the guard side because Kevin's amazing free throw percent would have more than covered that. But he didn't. Um, Kyrie didn't fall that far either. I could have gone sort of like a Brooklyn chunko. And I came down to Freddie Van Vliet or Paul George for me there. So I went Freddie um, because I think he'll play in more games than PG, and that's pretty much all that was. Third round, Kawhi. Like I said, I don't know what he's doing in a GameScap Roto format still there at 27. Between he and uh, between Kawhi and Kevin Durant, like I could have two wings that are each inside the top five per game. And then in the fourth round, Kristaps Porzingis made it back to me. And I'm very much pro Kristaps for this year. Now, you know, there's a games played situation going on here, but this particular league has a games cap of 82. It has three IL slots. And, like, if these when these guys are healthy, they're just piling up stats. And I ended up going Chris Middleton in the fifth round, who's also a very safe pick. So at this point, my free throw percent was bodacious. My team was actually pretty good at scoring, which is kind of weird for me. Uh, rebounding is, um, well, average blocks are okay. Porzingis helps a lot in that one. And then, you know, you'll get some from KD and some from Kawhi, even if they're not really built for that, but yeah, I could use a little rebounding, probably could use a little field goal percent. And I almost went Jakob Pertl in the sixth round, but it just, it felt like at that point, like I'm, I'm going to probably win free throw percent in this league. I don't see anybody coming anywhere near, near me. Um, so then my choice was, do I take a shot here? If Shangun gets really good, uh, it's an opportunity to kind of blow people away in a lot of categories in a way that with Jakob Pertl, it's just like, you know, good Jakob is still pretty good, but you know what, you know what the ceiling is. And plus there's a chance he gets traded. There's a chance he gets shut down. I kind of needed a guy where it looks like they're probably just going to let him fly for the year. Screw it kind of mode. So anyway, uh, and then you go back and you worry about team build again a little after that. I, you know, I ended up taking some big men later, the kind of uh, big upside big men, Okongwu, that was me. Um, so hopefully that'll fill in the gaps. And then I went Kelly Olenek super late just in case. So that was the cash draft from this morning. We'll see how that all plays out. Maybe we'll pull something away here on the uh, late guys and where they go. This was a very long episode, but once again, I want to remind you guys, one, we are recruiting, especially hard in the DFS realm, but really anything at this point. If you want to dive in, get involved with us here at Sports Ethos. If you want to get on a wait list for a Sports Ethos League next year, um, all of that you can do by hitting me up on Twitter at Dan Vespers or emailing roster at sportsethos.com. Thank you once again to Manscaped. Thank you once again to the great Aaron Bruski, legend of the game. Use the Brupon number three. Brupon three to get the first month free on your fantasy pass over at sportsethos.com. Have a great weekend. Good luck in your drafts, everybody. Monday show, the Dan Vespers Old Man Squad. Officially, we will line them out Monday and probably part of Tuesday because that tends to be a two-episode thing. We'll talk to you then, everyone. Let's go win some drafts.